when I draw the thread out then to, I mean, I know, for example, after my conversation with Zach, which elicited an overwhelming response as I think it does, <laughs> whoever he speaks to at the moment. Yeah. No, the man is brilliant. Yeah. And it did in my case. And, and it was by and large with that sort of sensation of, wow, learning so much, mm. it's raised a bunch more questions, you know, and mm. then a couple said, this is really interesting, but I'm noticing the anti-vaxxers get on. Mm. Yeah. And cite Zach and his work. And so she was really concerned about that. And I'm like, it's funny. Well, not funny. I've not seen that happen, but I definitely Mm. had it on my, if we speak again list (laughs) to Mm. draw out the threads about what thinking about the microbiome in this way means in that Mm -hmm. context is the message to make sure you're tending the hole and then let's see what happens. Yeah. A bit like your aphids story. No need to Mm -hmm. react on the individual things so strongly just yet, perhaps let's tend the hole better and let's see where the freshwater lens comes on top of the salt or where the ladybirds turn up a little more. And then maybe we won't need so many vaccinations or so much of them or I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think there's two parts to what you're speaking to. One is my concern that we are starting to become polarized, like what's happening here in the U S and there's the anti-vaxxers and the vaxxer camps and, Neither of them can speak to each other. And that kind of stuff gets me really concerned. Like, it's not helpful. I don't think it's helpful at all. Um, And then, you know, they're both very staunch in in their different camps. But I think if you look at what's happening to humanity as a whole and what, and I'm sure Zach talked to, you know, the the pandemic that we're dealing with in terms of of human health, of gut health, um, of nutrition, of just lifestyle, then something's going to take you out and it's going to take you out eventually. And maybe it's not this virus. It'll be something else. And, you know, it's not that we're living longer, we're dying longer. And, and that for me is a real concern. We need to be getting back to basics of making sure that we're eating, you know, whole nutritional food that, you know, and, and it's quite terrifying in, in some ways in terms of how do we get away from the chemical soup that we, we've now created, you know, 120 years of this grand experiment, which really has been an absolute disaster. Mm. Um, I was on some uh, cropping properties up at the top of Montana and we'd been talking about the smell of rainfall and I was going, oh, gosh, I'd love that smell. And, yeah. and the rancher said, when I was a cropping guy, he said, no, it, it doesn't smell like that. He smelled, He said, when it rains here, it smells like herbicides. Uh, and um, I was absolutely shocked. And then you look at the statistics of, you know, glyphosate or any kind of herbicides that in the rainfall here, they're in their waterways, they're drinking it, they're eating it. I mean, Australia is probably pretty similar in terms of the amount of usage of yeah. of different types of chemicals. And it's not just glyphosate. Like I really do think that glyphosate's one of the things that's easy to um, target. I, I think yeah, it's been a tool that's been very poorly abused um, and and now it's just got out of control. But we're seeing all sorts of chemicals, you know, maybe it's the atrazines or the 2,4-D um, and pervading in every single part of the environment. And, and that's really my concern is that's what's breaking down the gut microbiome in us and in the soil and there are going to be, there's going to be a fallout from it. Um, yeah, and, and a vaccination isn't going to 
protect you from that. We really need to be looking at yeah, restoring gut function across the planet. Yeah. It struck me at the Haggerty's too that the lighter elements of glyphosate that they will use don't come out in the final product. No. So that the microbiome at play being restored actually cleanses the plant that you harvest of that too. And Zach had said that, but there I was actually seeing it happen and bearing out mm. results. That was amazing mm-hmm. to me because I guess the GMO thing, that probably horrified me more than anything else. Cause I thought, wow, once we're actually, we're losing the code that works, if you like in the yeah. world, where do you go back? But to think that actually it still works. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And nature is incredibly resilient. If you set, if you set the scene up, which is what they're doing out at the Haggerty's, that systems is able to deal with a small amount of chemical and the microbiology can get in there and break it up. And, and that's what used to happen in the seventies and eighties. You know, you've got a very different response to glyphosate than what people get now. Um, Cause that system is no longer resilient. Um, and so it comes back to how do we, how do we rebuild those systems? And, you know, I think, Glyphosate for as a transitional tool is still very useful. My concern is they're going to ban it, and then we're going to be back to the paraquats and the hetrazine yeah, yeah. um, and the agent orange to deal with the situation. And it's like I'm talking to more and more people that are doing organic no-till, which I, I you know, if we can crack organic no-till, then that will be a game changer. But it is a lot of work. Um, and there's certainly conditions that need to be set in order to do it well. Um, but that. You know, that was always to me for the last 30 years, it was like, I know one of those jokes, like, ha ha, organic no-till, it's incredible, it's impossible. Yeah. Um, and now we're seeing people that are, that, that are getting pretty good at it. Um, but yeah, that's not, I haven't really seen anyone totally crack it. So for now, I mean, if you're talking about huge acreage, you know, buffered glyphosate is probably a tool that helps at least people reduce that um, chemical input and start to kickstart the biology while we try and work out something else. Yeah. But yeah, I think people are seeing that pressure. And, and I think this comes back to being able to test the outcome of what we're trying to do. Like what is the quality? What is the residue on this? You know, and I think that's, that's where we're going to start to see markets start to change because I mean, I was on a, I was on a ranch recently and these guys had an electric prodder. And he was using it to move cattle through the through into the chute. And one of the other guys that was with him said, "Hey, aren't you GAP certified? Because GAP certified, you're not allowed to use electric prodders." And the guy said, "Well, I don't see a certifier here. Ha ha ha!" And off they went. There's so much to certification that people like it, it's almost like they set people up to be dishonest in some way, yeah, which is yeah. not helpful for consumers. Um, whereas I think if we start to test the output and we're seeing more like portable spectrometers and meters that you can actually, um, so a spectrometer will, you know, measure the wavelengths. And so you could, you can program those spectrometers to measure for atrazine or to measure for glyphosate. Um, and they're just little handheld meters. And I think we're going to start to see more and more people able to have them affordably in their own hands. And so suddenly you could start to test for quality and it's really going to, um, I think it's going to start to change what markets are demanding for and start to pay people like the Haggerty's a premium for what they're producing, which is a premium product. 
Indeed. Yes. It brings home so much about what you said before about the polarization being the worst thing. Cause if we can't even come together, I mean, just the nuance in, in what you were just outlining then and what you were speculating about. Yeah. There's no black and white in that. It really is that the worst thing we can do is dig in, in our particular trenches. Yeah. 